Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. It's Kylie Davis here, and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. It's so great to have you here and to share stories of innovation and opportunity across real estate, property, and building services. And the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a PropTech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible across how we design, build, buy, sell, rent, and invest in property and all of the associated behavior and activities around that. Now, none of this would be possible without our sponsors. So a big shout out to the Direct Connect team, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the innovators behind the Forms Live and RealWorks Forms, and the PropTech Association of Australia. Thank you for your support of the podcast. My guest this week is Joe Hanna, CEO of the PropTech Group. Now, Joe started his career as a software developer before working at Fairfax in the days when classifieds and their rivers of gold were still a thing. He successfully made the transition across to the digital business and over the past decade or so has been working with Simon Baker on PropTech startups and growing them into serious players, most recently launching the PropTech Group, the fourth business he has taken to IPO. And in this interview, Joe and I discuss the changing dynamics of PropTech for real estate agencies, the need to create your own lead generation and marketing ecosystem, and he generously shares his experiences on what it's really like to list a PropTech on the Stock Exchange. So here to tell us all about it, Joe Hanna, welcome to the PropTech Podcast. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you for having me. Um, it's great to have you here. Now, Joe, we had um, Simon Baker on the on the show a couple, you know, a, a few episodes ago, and he was sort of telling us about being a founding father of of PropTech. But what I'd like to get into in this interview is to find out more about the PropTech Group specifically. So, so what is the PropTech Group's elevator pitch? Okay, well, in a nutshell, the PropTech Group provides market leading software that helps real estate agencies run their back office. So it's tools that they depend upon all day, every day. Um, and by that, I mean, we're not looking to displace or disrupt agencies, really to embrace the role of an agent to make them more efficient through streamlining, optimising wherever possible, automating the workflows. Awesome. Awesome. Well done. So like, there's lots of different products now that you guys have got that are part of the PropTech group. What, what, tell us what they are and what, what, each, what problem each of them solves. Sure. So, look, I guess at the core of our software solutions are the core systems that agencies depend upon all day, every day. And by that, I mean the, the sales CRM or property management um, software solutions. Uh, and as your listeners will know, they're, they're the systems that agents rely upon. It's the, you know, the source of truth for any real estate agency. Uh, so, that's where we launched when we first listed the business through our Vault RE product, uh, which we um, we acquired my desktop from Domain, mm-hmm. who they acquired from the founders of Vault back in 2005 and again in 2007. Um, so our core CRM is really the basis of, of where our technology stems from. Uh, and what we do is we expand out of that into some key areas, you know, namely marketing. So we have our website um, capabilities through Website Blue. Uh, Eagle as well is our other CRM provider that also has inbuilt website capabilities. Uh, marketing automation, so things like Designly Pro, uh, which is just about to be released, uh, enabling real estate agents to have live proposals, you know, track um, how vendors are, are consuming their proposals, and it's quickly becoming a marketing automation. And increasingly, we've got additional tools around data 
uh, and what we call efficiency add-on tools. So think of those as what you, you can probably refer to as a plugin, if you like, to a, a CRM, you know, an additional piece of functionality that makes the agent more efficient. So in that in that area, we have um, uh, Redline Inspect, our inspection tool, uh, and a couple of other tools that we're bringing to market over the next couple of weeks either that we're building or through partnership. Uh, and then we also have a B2C tool. Um, so we're primarily a B2B business, but have a B2C tool, which is called Real Estate Investor, which enables residential retail investors to find investment-grade properties in a way that's much more efficient than going to a portal, an REA or a domain, for instance. Um, increasingly, we, we add additional products almost monthly now. And when we the differentiation, differentiator for us is that a product is a standalone product that you can buy from PropTech Group as opposed to a module or a feature. Uh, within each of our core CRMs, there's obviously modules, a marketing module, a data module, um, you know, the commercial module for, for commercial real estate agents. Uh, but standalone features, we've got about, uh, sorry, products rather, we've got about five that we can sell separately at the moment. Um, our last one, which we're um, in the process of, of taking to market now, is our franchise management system. So oh. think of it as an agency reporting system, uh, which enables franchise groups to get a bird's eye view of the performance of their entire network, uh, as well as principals to get a, a bird's eye view of their performance of their individual agency or multi-offers for those that, that own more than one offer. Okay, awesome. So if I am a PropTech group customer, do I need to buy all of these things and have them plugged together or can I mix and match? You can certainly mix and match. I mean, we, we know that particularly CRMs um, are quite a difficult um, <laughs> to move on. Um, I know for us, we have an average um, tenure of about and a half years. Um, and we find that in, in the industry, I think the standard is about six and a half years. And that kind of makes sense if you think about how ingrained into the workflows of a, of a day-to-day agent the CRM is. You know, it's a source of mm. truth data. So we, with many of our products, we don't um, expect our customers to have them all. Obviously, we'd love them to. But I guess what we're trying to build is, is an ecosystem of prop techs that talk to each other and deeply integrate with each other through a centralised integrated platform. Uh, and that single solution to do all is, is really the basis of, of, I guess, the fundamental driver behind PropTech Group. Hmm, okay, awesome. So, so what's your background, Joe? Like, how did how did you become involved in this craziness that is PropTech? Well, unlike Simon, I'm not a forefather of PropTech. <laughs> I have had over twenty. I drove over twenty years' experience. Look, I started my life as a software engineer back in the uh, early nineties. I uh, worked for Fairfax Media initially in the print side of the business, um, in total for about eight and a half years, and then switched over after about three years to the digital side of the business. Um, and what was interesting about that journey was I, I, I was senior enough to be privy to conversations, but not senior enough to have to make decisions of the, you know, hemorrhaging of or the transition. <laughs> I had a long period at Fairfax. I know, I know exactly what you mean, probably about the same time, yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess what we saw then was just how portals had, had really streamlined the consumer journey of, of looking for, for classifieds in general. Um, so I spent a fair bit of time at um, mycareer.com.au running their product and technology and then left in 2008 to pursue startups. Um, that's when I actually joined forces with Simon Baker and since then he and I have been kind of building, investing, launching, uh, growing, IPOing a whole bunch of prop techs all around the world. Um, not all of them you know, in the portal space, but certainly in the early period, portals were where most of the money was being spent in prop tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so we launched a business called Machula, which is essentially, think of it as Indeed or Travago, if you like, for, for real estate, you know, enabling people to provide a single interface um, 
for them to see all properties that were on the market. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense in Australia and New Zealand because you, you've only got a couple of portals that you need to go to in order to see um, all these things. But certainly in other parts of the world, we're in 40, 54 countries around the world, um, you do need to go to five, six, seven, sometimes 10 plus portals to find every property for sale or property for listing. Um, so my, my background very much is a product and tech guy um, and then running, you know, founding and running businesses uh, at scale, which, which has which certainly been fun. Uh, PropTech Group, as you may or may not know, started in, in officially started in 2020 when we uh, RTO'd uh, the My Desktop Vault into Real Estate Investor as a public listed company. Yeah. So, look, I'd love to hear more about how that went. So, to, what was it like to IPO? Like, how hard was it? What What were the biggest challenges and what were the lessons that you learned? Oh, gee, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, look, in, in, in reality, this is the, um, the fourth IPO on the ASX that I've been involved with. So, Okay. Oh, you're a veteran, right? <laughs> I wouldn't say a veteran. I think I'm battle-scarred, shall we say. Um, <laughs> in, in reality, it's... um. This time around, I, I kind of learnt from uh, mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the, the, the simplest way for me to articulate it is when you're in private land, and, and with many of my previous startups, I've raised money from VCs, raised money from family and friends, as you do when you get started, um, raised money from private equity firms, um, and it's a very different experience when you go public. Uh, one is, is there's a heavy um, compliance component to it. So there's a hell of a lot of uh, what we call verification, making sure that everything you put out to the market is verified and correct. Um, there's a lot of, um, of audit and risk um, and governance that, that's really required. But at the same time, it, it enables you to, to actually get exposure to a much broader uh, group of, of, of investors. So for us, the reason why we, we wanted to list PropTech Group is if you think about, particularly on the ASX, the number of um PropTechs that, that were there, particularly when we listed that were there, um, they're very, very few and particularly very, very few in the small, small, small space. So, you know, you've got the really big top end of town, the REAs, the domains of the world. But to give exposure to mum and dad investors, small uh, retail investors and large institutions for emerging businesses in PropTech, you know, there, there wasn't a lot there. So the experience is, uh, is an interesting one. Um, you know, it, it's a minimum six-month experience if you really push hard, but typically it takes nine nine plus months. Um, and the other key challenge with it is um, when you're in private land, it's a lot easier to um, argue your valuation, right? You can say, well, look at the other prop techs that raise money at 10, 20, 30 times revenue. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in the public markets, your your valuation is really determined by the market. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it removes that discussion. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've raised now $22 million in the last year since listing. Uh, and that process, um, once you're in the rhythm, is, is actually quite streamlined uh, as a public listed company. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend it for businesses that are early, I, I think. Uh, and I certainly, what, one cautionary tale I'll, I'll give to other prop techs is that it's not an exit. Uh, it's really a way to um, continue to accelerate your growth. Mm. Um, but for those that are thinking it's a way to get out, it certainly isn't, uh, mm. particularly as a founder and as, as a CEO, uh, an MD, uh, there, there is an expectation that you're going to be here to grow the business for a period of time, you know, at least three or four years. Um, and unless you're prepared to do that, it's not, it's not the right time to IPO. Mm, you've got the whole market looking at you, haven't you? So you don't want to be running away from that because that's going to really affect the valuation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there are so many upsides to it as well. Yeah. So so what? tell me about some of the biggest challenges of of the IPO. Like what, what things did you find the most personally challenging? 
Oh, look, I think the biggest challenge, and again, for me, this was the fourth IPO, so I've gotten over the challenges I had the first time around, which is really kind of putting yourself out there, speaking to investors that only have 20 minutes for you to wrap, <laughs> for them to wrap your, their, head, their head around your story. Uh, so the, the biggest challenge, not dissimilar to startup land, is, is you've got to be really clear and articulate um, with your audience who may not be, well, actually are not, prop tech experts, don't understand the industry, um, don't understand what you're trying to do. So probably the biggest challenge I, I would say and still today is just how you clearly articulate your strategy and your message and the market opportunity in a way that doesn't get too detailed and is really easy to understand. Mm. Um, the other key challenge I think with being listed is um, everything's in the public domain. So, you know, when you're working on some pretty cool secret squirrel projects in stealth, you know, there's only limited amount that you want to share with the market because you're sharing it with, with your competitors and everybody else as well. So it's really finding that balance between, you know, talking about things that are real and practical and in front of you um, and not trying to talk about what if the world was like this and we release this product that did that. Find that balance between showing your investors that there's a journey, we're at the beginning, beginning of it, you know, it's going to be really great. Uh, there's a real need for this today and this is, this is what it is uh, and giving them enough comfort that, A, you know what you're doing, that you've got the right team, uh, you've got the right board uh, and that, that you've got a clear articulation of where you want to get to. But yeah, in summary, I think the challenge is really getting that short, sharp um, articulation of your strategy and your value proposition. Awesome. So I have a question because compliance is always one of those things that seems both expensive and boring, but if you're in a public company, you absolutely have to do it. So I'm not, um, I'm not questioning the need for it. But what proportion of your of your costs are tied up in that compliance side of it? Because I think that's often something that shocks businesses when they go from being like a you know little startup they're based around a couple of founders, and then suddenly you're getting bigger and you've got shareholders on board. So the compliance side starts to get bigger and bigger, and there needs to be resource put behind that, right? Oh, absolutely. Look, if you just take the, the listed compliance costs, uh, and I'm not talking people literally, you know, the cost of being listed, the cost of audits, um, it, it ranges at a very, for a very small company, uh, at a very, very minimum, it's half a million dollars a year, but typically it's about a million dollars. For us, it's between a million and, and a million point five dollars mm. a year. Now, think about where that gets spent. Obviously, there's, you know, lawyers getting your COSEC involved. Um, you know, insurances are really important as well to ensure that, um, you know, directors and shareholders uh, are protected. Uh, but then there's also audits and, and governance and, and all those governance things. Look, I, I guess the, the upside to that is when we talk to our customers, there's a an additional layer of um, security that they can they can bank on, which, which mm. is the fact that we we take ESG really really uh, critically of critical importance. That things like you know, data breaches, ensuring your technology is secure, that your stacks are being pen tested every year, you know that your your customers' data is actually secure is a very very important part for our business and something that we spend a lot of money on. Uh, and then just ensuring that um, being being publicly listed means that there's full transparency as well, that, um, you know, you, you're backed by shareholders, you're backed by compliance and regulation that, that stops you from doing, you know, any funny buggers basically. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Imagine a real estate forms and contract solution that's always accessible, up to date with legal changes, and cuts admin time by 40%. That's the beauty of the Forms Live platform from Dynamic Methods. With Forms Live, Dynamic Methods have created a form system that is easy, online, and best of all, compliant. Every month, 50,000 agents and property managers use Forms Live in 7,500 agencies across every state and territory in Australia. Plus, Forms Live has over 100 integrations including the industry's most popular CRMs, connection services and digital signatures with DocuSign, making it the national platform of choice for real estate forms. Check them out at formslive.com.au. So Joe, what's your vision for the company or for the company now? Like how you've got lots of different products and lots of different features and lots of different and you've done lots of M&As and things like that or purchases and brought people in. How hard is it or easy is it to have all of those different businesses and products scaling at their own kind of different rate and and winning market adoption and share, but at the same time sort of coming together? What's that vision look like? It's a really good question. And and I guess I'll take it back a little bit and and talk to, and and I know you've met with Simon Baker um, recently. So Simon and I were going to set up a PropTech group fund, a PropTech fund uh, globally before we started PropTech group. Uh, And the idea there is we saw internationally a lot of uh, niche prop techs that were not necessarily disrupting the market, but really adding some really nice features and capabilities to the industry, um, but in a very small way or in a very kind of niche, nichely focused way. What we found back then was, gee, if you could pull all these together and, and got the left hand to speak to the right, you could actually accelerate the adoption of, of uh, innovation, accelerate um, the automation of, of, of some of the low value things that agents do. Um, when you when you take that philosophy and apply it to Australia, one thing that, that always fascinated me, and, and I, I will preface this by saying I was actually at Fairfax when we acquired my desktop uh, and on the team that recommended ah. me to go and buy my desktop. Okay. Uh, and if you think about why back then it was, um, well, I actually should say I, I asked Fairfax to invest in my startup and let me go and build a CRM and they said, no, just go buy one that's on the market. <laughs> But, you know, as a media business, trying to get some understanding of the unit economics of running a real estate agency, you know, getting access to the data uh, and maybe being able to influence their their marketing behaviour was really attractive to us. And what we've seen in in multiple markets all around the world is that property portals love the concept of buying a CRM. Hey, what Mm -hmm. what if you get access to all this data? You know, agents don't really like having a CRM that's owned by a portal because, you know, they're worried about the data sharing. But the portals themselves, it's it's a fascinating business to own. Um, when they buy them, they realise that they're hard businesses to run. You know, they're very feature-rich, they're very <laughs> compliance-focused. Um, you know, they're, they're not very expensive by, by comparison when you, when you look at the value. Uh, and inevitably, they're very different businesses to run than high-traffic B2C businesses. So inevitably, they kind of get left behind as a you know, second cousin and, and ultimately kind of die death by a thousand cuts, so as we saw with, with my desktop here. But we've seen it with Zoopla in the UK. We've seen Zillow in the US. We've seen it in pretty much every um, established market everywhere in the world. So I, I guess for us, when, when we looked at, at, at the opportunity to take an institutional approach to um, prop tech and, and really let's call it agent tech for lack of a better term mm. uh, it was really understanding that uh, most of the investment in prop tech over the last 20 years apart from maybe the last three or four has really gone into the portals mm. um, you know to disrupt the newspapers and you know I'll, I'll go out and leave and say that they're essentially the newspapers of today uh, and they're they're adding additional services which in my view are starting to slowly encroach on the role of an agent uh, and what an agent does all day every day which is 
not exactly a desirable position for us to have such dominant players, you know, influencing what we do as agents day, day to day. So what we really saw was an opportunity to take an institutional approach to the CRM uh, as, as the kind of core systems that agents use. Uh, and the, the idea behind that was, you know, there are all these prop techs that really extend on the features or functionality of a CRM. Yep. Uh, and the only way that they work is by deeply integrating or integrating in some way, shape or form with the CRM as the source of, source of truth, of data truth. Um, so I, I guess our strategy was to say, well, how do we stop? You know, there are 320, you'll know this better than I do, 320 prop techs operating in Australia today, given, you know, we have 9,900 agents, 12,200 if you add New Zealand. There are a lot of different prop tech providers adding all sorts of different solutions. And it's actually quite frustratingly difficult for an agent to understand what mix of technology works together and makes sense to adopt. So really for us, we saw this opportunity to start with a CRM at the core, acknowledge that if you're running a CRM in isolation, then your ability to really deeply integrate with another prop tech is limited by your ability to charge for it or your ability to get some type of earn off, off that, that third party, which in a, a small um, market like Australia is very difficult. So our philosophy was to say, well, how, how do we build a single platform uh, where we don't necessarily have to own every prop tech that agents work in, but play nice with them in an ecosystem mm. where acknowledging that the data is owned by the agent, uh, the capabilities will be owned across various groups, but really if you can build an ecosystem where the left hand talks to the right, and I'll give you some practical examples of that in a moment, um, then you're really the champion of the agent, the champion of the industry, and actually making the, the process a lot more efficient. I guess ultimately the driver is uh, if we can help our agents be more efficient and focus on what matters most, i.e. nurturing human relationships with people, which ultimately is critical to, the, to any real estate transaction, let alone a, a sale, um, then you're essentially making it the process of buying, selling and renting a property better for a better experience for consumers. So it's whilst we are a B2B business, we, we kind of see ourselves as a B2B to C business by, by getting a, agents to um, interact with consumers in a, in a much more pleasurable way than, than, than what, we've, what we've otherwise been used to. I guess the challenge is as a consumer, the real estate industry is still a bit fragmented. Uh, it's not as digital or digitise as every other industry that we're, that we're used to. Um, so there is certainly room for improvement um, and there isn't massive gains or massive innovations in technology that will facilitate that. Um, I will give you a very quick example and, and I'll stop babbling on because, as I That's said, okay. I've talked for, for hours. But, but in reality, um, you know, the fact that we've grown from a CRM to now CRM with um, with website capabilities to marketing to data is essentially looking at all the, the key elements that an agent needs all day every day uh, and extending our capabilities to, to capture a better portion of that element or that, or that feature. Uh, and websites are a really obvious place to start, right, because you don't want to keep relying, as an agent, keep relying on buying leads from uh, from the portals, having them only to come into your CRM and then go back out the other end to go back to the portals. So by having a website, it means you're able to retain them into your in your digital ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Now, that's all great if your website's talking to your CRM, but if it's not, it, it's kind of pointless, right? So you, you want to make sure that if someone receives an email, thank you for your inquiry, here's our website. If you want to have a look, maybe do a virtual tour, um, you can post on social here or, or follow us on social here and, um, and, and book an inspection through this, you know, um, self-service um, digital link. You know, if all those features and functions aren't talking to each other, then in essence, where agents are relying again on third parties to nurture relationships and nurture leads, 
Um, in reality, given that we're at 41% market share by number of agents um, in Australia using at least one PropTech group product, and actually 51% by number of uh, real estate listings in the last 12 months sold. Um, Congratulations. It, yeah, thank you. It's been, a, been an interesting ride so far. <laughs> um, you know, I'd hazard, hazard a guess that every person looking for a property is probably in one of our customers' contact databases already. Um, so the reality for us is how do we extract and unlock those existing vendors, those existing buyers through the relationships you already have um, and using the digital assets that you already have? Hmm. Um, hopefully that answers your question. I kind of went a bit off, uh, off, no, no, off, no, no. off scale, but, but yep. really in a nutshell, if I was to summarise it, you know, the, the aim of PropTech Group is to really co- to continue to be a champion of the industry by ha- enabling agents to rely on their own digital assets to extract value from their, their existing relationships and streamline the process as best as we can. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, so how so so is is the market buying that vision? Because and and look, and I saw uh, Dave was kind enough to send through your results, and 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 it was great to see that you know your, your revenues doubled, like you'd be performing really strongly on all of that. But I noticed recently that your market cap, like you were about hundred million, sort of back in Feb. 2021 or something, but now you're down around 80 mil. And that seems to be one of the vagaries of being listed as a, you know, a, a, a listed company. But what what does that mean and what do you see is going on there? Oh, look, I, I think um, it, it is one of the vagaries of being a listed company. And I think if you take that um, that revenue multiple, we're trading at sub four times revenue multiple, which for a high SaaS, uh, high growth SaaS business is, is very, very low. Uh, but I, I guess what it talks to is multiple things. One, um, as, as I mentioned, I'm kind of my fourth rodeo at this, and very keen on getting the right investors in. So, you know, whilst we have um, very low volumes of, of, of people selling our stock, and that's largely due to the fact that we have very large institutions on our register mm-hmm. uh, that came in at, at, at pre-IPO and the, at, at listing, um, and, and they're, they're long-term value holders. So they're just not selling. They believe in what we're doing. They're seeing the results and they're happy not to sell. Um, we then got a, a bunch of kind of small day traders and mum and dad investors that really move the needle at very low volume. But really what, what, it, what it talks to is opportunity for us to, to bring on new investors to get people in at the right time. And now we're sitting at, um, at the base of what we, what we believe will be continued growth. Um, so the, the way to answer your question is, look, I think that our customers certainly understand it. Uh, yep. you know, and we... we you know, this is public knowledge. We, you know, we we thank Ray White family for having an equity in our business. Ray Horn have equity in our business, significant equity as does Harcourts. Um, so our customers really get it. They understand what we're trying to do, and and uh, the fact that we've grown market share by forty five percent is testament to that. The market is is understanding it, uh, but also acknowledging that we came from, you know, pulling out a business out of domain. Um, taking what was essentially a startup and throwing them together, um, you know, the market just needs to know that we can actually continue to deliver on that on that promise. Um, but it's look, it's, it's not uncommon for you to get a real sugar hit post listing. Yeah. Um, you know, we listed at thirty million market cap and, and quickly grew to hundred, uh, yeah. and are now sitting at around eighty. Look, I, I expect we'll get back there in, in due course. The, the challenge with being a listed business, and probably one of the things I should have said to one of your early questions, was don't look at the share price all day every day, or else you do. <laughs> <laughs> it will drive you insane. <laughs> so, so how big is the PropTech Group? Like, how many staff have you got? What's so, we've got over 125 people globally now. Mm-hmm. So, we've got a, obviously got um, teams in WA with with the Vault guys. 
Um, at Melbourne is our corporate head office. There's about 40 of us here with Eagle uh, and, and group functions. Um, teams in Brisbane with our website, Blue Business and the Vault Business, teams in Christchurch and teams in the UK as well. But yeah, 125, going back a year ago, we were 52. So it's been uh, wow, rapid growth. That's, from a, that's from a very big. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of change. And so what's your view on, um, and it's great to hear that so many big agency groups are, are, are backing you, um, but what's your view on real estates and how they're adapting to technology and, and you know, how are they going today compared to how they were sort of three, five years ago? Oh, well, look, I, I think we've seen an acceleration. Yeah, I think we're seeing an acceleration of the adoption of technology, no, no doubt, and um you know, certainly over the last two years with COVID, we've seen <laughs> a, a rapid acceleration of the adoption of technology. Uh, and I'm sure, and I'm listening to your podcast, your historical podcast, you, you would have thought, you know, going back two years ago that we'd sell properly sight unseen or through virtual auctions and virtual tours. And really that's now the norm. And I guess what that's telling us is um, we were, as an industry, sceptical and somewhat hesitant to jump in to those, you know, what we've seen drastic moves two years ago. Um, but now that we know that consumers actually want them and, and they'll adopt them. Um, so that's kind of opened, I want to say open up the floodgates to, to a certain extent to say, well, hang on, if if these type of innovations are very well received, then what else could we do? Um, so to answer your question more directly, our customers, I think, are really starting to wrap their heads around the benefit of technology and the fact that it's not a, a disruptor, it's an enabler, mm-hmm. uh, and that if you kind of remove the mundane tasks and enable people to self-serve, it doesn't prevent you from having a meaningful conversation at the right time. It actually enhances your ability to have a meaningful conversation at the right time, um, which is which is what we ultimately want. So in a, in a buoyant market, for example, with with the level of buyer inquiry that comes through, you know, being able to just sift through through uh, technology, the tire kickers or the um, the shoppers versus those that are really interested, you know, again adds really valuable hours to an agent's day. It means they can have meaningful conversations. If you're going to make three phone calls, these are three to make. Um, similarly, for for vendors, being able to understand that that people are starting to go to open for inspections because they're looking to move, um, which means they're potentially looking to sell. Also enables us to unlock value that otherwise would be harder to unlock if you're constantly on the phones asking people. Mm. So I guess what we're finding as an industry is technology adoption is certainly growing. The challenge that I think we have, as I mentioned earlier, with 320 prop techs, is really just wrapping your head around the mix. Or what, what do I use in what instance when? Um, we also need to remember that as agents, you know, real estate agents are real estate agents, they're not technologists. Um, so, you know, as technology becomes more prevalent, then the expectations for um, agents to be more tech-savvy increases, uh, and I guess that's why we exist, is to, to sift through all the crap and say, well, this is what this is the mix that works and these are the things you need to be mindful of, and this is where technology can add value and this is where it becomes a bit silly and, and really doesn't add any value. Mm. And, and just on that point, you know, there's 320, which I'm assuming... Uh, in that real estate agent and marketing sort of CRM kind of, you know, in the in the agent if in sphere space because what we know at the PropTech Association is that we've counted over 500 because when you start to add in property owner, uh, you know, 
big property commercial ownership apps and, and, and technology happening in that space and especially around environment and building and that that number goes out to 600 and you might go, well, I don't need to know about them because I'm not an agent, but there's so much noise. There's a lot of, there's a lot of noise that you've got to, you know, detect the signal from. So, yeah. Absolutely right. The 320 is just as it pertains to agents. agents. I mean, there's, yeah. there's well over 600, as, as you pointed out. And the problem is that's growing daily. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Do you run a prop tech business or are you the founder of a prop tech? Make sure you join the Prop Tech Association of Australia. It's Australia's new not-for-profit association made up of tech people who are passionate about the property industry and committed to improving experiences in how we buy, sell, rent, manage, build and finance property. Joining will give you access to events and networks across Australia and globally to help you promote and grow your business. Go to proptechassociation.com.au and follow the prompts to join. Um, so what's your advice to agents when they're thinking about what they, you know, I need to, I mean, I get asked this all the time. What should I, what tech should I be using or what, how should I be assessing it? Well, look, apart from the obvious, which is just use PropTech Group because we'll take it <laughs> more clear. But, no, um, in, in, plug. <laughs> no, but in, in full seriousness, look, I, I guess the key takeout, so it, it's really important to try things. Um, so don't be shy to try technology. But unless your left hand's talking to your right, you know, so you've got all these different technology platforms and tools. Uh, if they're not integrated, if you're not, um, if you're having to to cut and paste and double dip in order to get to extract value, then are you really adding um, hours to your day rather than removing mm-hmm. hours for your day? So what we what we like to do at PropTech Group is is sometimes our agents will come to us and say, look, I've got this cool tool that I've been using, um, but it doesn't quite integrate. Um, with, with PropTech Group, and, and this is how I use it. So you know, speak to your vendor, speak to your current supplier around the tools that you use, and noting that sometimes, you know, there is a cost to those vendors for, for integrating. But if you get to a point where you've found a tool that isn't like unlike anything else that you've used, that's adding real value, then more often than not, your technology provider will get some type of integration. I guess for us, what, what we're trying to do is we integrate with everybody, but then we deeply integrate with only with only a select few, and that that deep integration is around removing the barriers to adoption by, you know, removing the need for an agent to have to remember to do something. Right. So, right. I guess I answer your question again more directly is um, ensure that for agents, I'd recommend trying everything, but ensure that you're getting value out of it so that you're not double handling information. Got it. Got it. So, so what do you think the next five years holds for for real estate agents? Like, get your crystal ball out. What do you? What are the trends that you see are going to come through the pipe next? That's a really good question, and one we get asked a lot. And one I tend to to not try to um, answer too much because it's so <laughs> difficult. Look, I, I think there's, there's a number of key themes. The first key theme is understanding that as consumers. The next wave of consumers expect digitization. Mm. You know, they, they expect um, to be kind to be able to self-serve where it makes sense to anytime, anywhere, um, you know, two, two in the morning, three in the morning. You know, so being able to use technology to remove the low-value tasks of an agent, you know, back back a few years ago, the concept of task automation was a thing. Um, you know, now and, and we're not the only CRM that talks about it, but the full automation, I mean, what why send uh, a reminder to an agent to have to remember to phone to make a phone call if you can send an email to a consumer with a link for, to enable them to self-serve for things like a booking inspection or for them to to check out some photos online. Um, so I think the first theme is is around kind of personalization, um, digitization, and enabling people to self-serve where it makes sense. 
The next wave is, is around data uh, and understanding that data provides signals of interest or propensity and, and you know, all these types of things where AI gets thrown out a lot. Um, in reality, you know, I, I think it's more machine learning than, than artificial intelligence, just being able to sort through the masses, massive amounts of data mm-hmm. um, to enable agents to be a lot more efficient. So for us, w- where that resonates and makes sense is, you know, again, back to this ecosystem world, if, if we know that someone's gone to, say, realestate.com or domain and clicked on a listing, um, they ended up in, in the CRM, which has kicked off an automated workflow to say welcome and click on this link, click this link if you'd like to book an inspection time um, or view more details on our website. We then track a consumer's view of, of the website. They may have shared it with their friends, sent it in an email, jumped on a po- jumped on the post up to social rather. Um, we know how many times they've opened up a phone, uh, opened up an email that was sent from an agent through their CRM. Uh, how many times they picked up the phone, uh, whether they went for an open for inspection. You know, all this data is providing us really meaningful information about the interests of a person. Um, how you leverage that and exploit that in a way that um, isn't, you know, isn't taking uh, away from their privacy, but actually having providing real value by personalising your communications with them. Now, one size doesn't fit all, uh, and still today we largely see that agents communicate in a one-size-fits-all to to consumers um, has a massive impact on on how important uh, the relationship goes, which is the third theme, which is around relationships. Um, I, I think more and more technology will enable agents to nurture their relationships with consumers and have longer-lasting relationships that are less transactional you know, over the journey of property ownership or, you know, living in, in my patch, so to speak. Um, so I don't actually see massive disruption over the next five years in, in the way that the market segment works. Um, I don't subscribe necessarily to the view that um, there'll be less agents in the next five years. I, I don't think that's true. Um, I think the agents will be more efficient, uh, more effective and act, be able to actually spend more time because it's still tough to buy and sell a house and rent a house as a consumer. Uh, and mm. there's a massive segment of our of our population that just doesn't engage because it's all too hard. Uh, and yeah. I think if we made if technology made that easier, then agents would be even busier uh, as more people will be entering and, and exiting the market. Yeah. Do you think there'll be fewer real estate agencies? Do you think we're heading towards bigger agencies that are a bit that and less sort of mums and dads stuff? That that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I think there's there's certainly a push towards a consolidation of agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, and, and if you think about the drivers for that one is clearly technology. You know, being able to have a you know an automated template or or, or a, an ability for for automation of uh, branding process from from kind of head office down. Um, I, I think you can cut both ways. Technology can also help the smaller independents um, to compete with the larger players. I guess what what we're seeing is. Um, and this is to your earlier question, is consumers also want more of a concierge approach to their relationship with an, with an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the old days, you know, an agent was very much transactional on, on the buy, the sell or the rent. Um, now consumers want to know more. Like, uh, first of all, I'm entering the market. Do I need insurance? How do it help me with a home loan? You know, what do I do about my utilities connections and, and, and moving? You know, so I think if technology can help agencies through automation, streamline that process and, again, build meaningful relationships, then it becomes more around the relationship as opposed to whether they're part of the franchise group or not. Mm. But, look, I I think it's an each-way bet over whether um, 
Actually, no, I'll, I'll answer the question this way. I think there'll be more franchise groups uh, and more independents and probably not as many small uh, franchise groups. Got it. Got it. So, so, Joe, what do you think the future looks like for the PropTech group? What's on your roadmap that you can share with us <laughs> in, in an open market way? Yeah, look, certainly, um, as, as we say publicly, more of the same. Uh, in reality, we, we, we're getting good penetration of our, of our core systems to our existing customer base. You know, we've gone from 1.06 products per customer to now 1.85. Um, so ultimately, the idea to, for our customers to save money on their technology spend by consolidating their vendors into 231 um, is, is ultimately what we want to continue to do. So in Australia and New Zealand, we see a significant opportunity for us to continue to penetrate and infiltrate the, uh, the broader prop tech play as it pertains to agents. Um, our focus is primarily residential, but we're getting more and more into commercial as well with Voltare's commercial module and our Eagle launching a commercial module. Uh, and then beyond Australia and New Zealand is we're, we're, we're in the UK already with, with about a 1% market share there. Uh, we see significant opportunity for us to almost replicate the playbook for service well here. Um, I think for your listeners in, in particular, one good thing about Australia is we, we, we are very advanced when it comes to prop tech and the adoption of technology. Um, the UK is twice as big in terms of number of agencies and, and I would have to say twice as backwards. I agree. I agree. I have this conversation with James Deersley almost every month <laughs> and he tells me how wrong I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the challenge is um, we can't be too Aussie when we go over there uh, because no. they'll, they'll hate us. But, yeah. but in reality, there's, there's so much of what we do here that is can be kind of lifted and shifted to the UK um, and they'll, they'll benefit from. So for PropTech Group, you know, in Australia, we've got a clear pathway for continuing um, what we've been doing to date, you know, consolidating some of the, the market opportunities, you know, getting our agents to be more efficient through a single platform to do everything ultimately, um, and then obviously launch out into the UK and other markets globally. Mm. And are you looking for um, other techs to, in, have, to integrate with you? Like if there's any prop techs out there that want to hit you up? Absolutely. Um, we're always looking for, for integrations. I mean, mo- most integrations, as with, with as it is with many other suppliers here, is um, agent-led or agency-led. Um, but we've got now over 1,500 API integrations with our, with our PropTech group. Wow. Um, so we see more and more um, happening all the time. Uh, in reality, it's, it's a really good opportunity for us to understand some of the more innovative or more cutting-edge prop techs that are emerging. But yeah, we've got an open call kind of always for any prop techs that want to integrate or, or, or look at some type of partnership or M&A opportunity to reach out to us. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Joe, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the PropTech podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks for having me. No worries. So that was Joe Hanna, CEO of the PropTech Group, an ASX-listed company that is executing on its strategy to deliver a suite of prop techs that all integrate with each other to allow real estate agencies to own their own marketing, lead gen and efficiency-driven ecosystems to give them the option of being independent from real estate portals. I love being able to question Joe on the ins and outs of becoming and running a listed company. We tend in PropTech to hold up this idea that listing on the stock exchange is the ideal way to exit or to cash in. But there's no doubt, as Joe shared, that there's a lot of work involved in it and there's cost, resources and time, a lot of that that goes into running a listed company. And they're very different to starting or scaling up 
and that may not suit every founder. And your share price can on occasion do things that you genuinely can't control. Now, we've seen in recent weeks and months with some big deals in the Australian prop tech space, with Console being purchased by Repit, ActivePipe merging with Moxie in the US, AIRE being purchased by CoreLogic, and MRI purchasing Box and Dice. We've seen that an IPO is not the only exit. In fact, it's probably in the minority. And we currently seem to be going through a consolidation phase in prop tech, where highly successful scaling businesses are being picked up by larger first-generation prop tech corporations who are recognising that there's gaps in their tech stacks and are working to deliver more seamless offerings to their clients. And these have had some great outcomes for their founders, and I think we'll see it start to address some of the complaints that agents have had about there being too much prop tech out there and just too much choice. Because what is happening is that we're starting to see more out-of-the-box or off-the-shelf all-in-one options that have significant domain expertise in their different elements. And I love that it's snap together or snap apart. The way the PropTech group are approaching their suite of products, you've got the option to connect your tech stack up brick by brick or to move straight in with everything in one place. And that really does give agents the best of both worlds. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode of the PropTech podcast, I would love you to tell your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn or on our Facebook page. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor and Apple iTunes. I'd like to thank my podcast producer, the fabulous Charlie Hollins and our sponsors, Direct Connect, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the name behind Forms Live, REI Forms Live and RealWorks and the PropTech Association of Australia. Australia, Australia's industry body supporting the flourishing prop tech community. Now, if you're an Australian or a New Zealand prop tech who would like to be on the show, drop me a line via LinkedIn or Kylie at proptechassociation.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, keep on prop teching.